Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, hosting the second of our monthly conversations about Dharma with the Yoga Hour's founder, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Today, we'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Now, yoga, while it is a familiar word to many today, oftentimes when people hear yoga, they are thinking in a kind of a limited way that perhaps it's a stretching and exercise program, but actually uh, the Sanskrit word yoga means oneness, union, or unity. And it really talks about how to bring together our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. It really talks about practicing a spiritually conscious, fulfilled life in today's world. So our topic today is how to live with higher purpose. So what is our higher purpose and why are we really here? We're going to be discussing how living with higher purpose means to live in harmony with the universal aim of spiritual realization. When we live mindfully and with awareness of our essential nature and connection to all of life, we are living in the highest way. As many listeners know, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien is the founding director and host of this program, The Yoga Hour. She's an acclaimed spiritual teacher, writer, poet, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a Kriya Yoga Meditation Center with headquarters in San Jose, California. She was ordained to teach in the Kriya Yoga tradition by her guru, Roy Eugene Davis, in 1982. Yogacharya teaches nationally and internationally and has received several community service awards, including the 2015 Mahatma Gandhi Award for the promotion of religious pluralism. Her new book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me, was published earlier this year. And you can find out more about her, her teaching schedule, and her books at two websites. One is ellengraceobrien.com. And the other is csecenter.org. So welcome, Yogacharya, or Umaji, as we call you. I am delighted that you are back. We are both back together on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Dr. Trujillo, for making this conversation possible and for um, co-hosting the program with me. Um, it's really uh, fun for me to just be in the role of having a conversation with you and about Dharma. Uh, how do we live our divine life? Mm. 
So before we get started with that conversation, um, let's just take a moment, a yoga moment, and bring our attention and awareness really to the present So in the midst of our busy day, our busy life, let's just take a moment to turn our attention within and using a tool that's so handy because it's always with us, our breath. So let's start by taking a fully conscious breath, just inhaling and exhaling. Not trying to change our breath, but just noticing its natural flow. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. Let's just imagine that with each in-breath, we can dive within. And with each out-breath, we can just let go and relax. In this moment, as we dive within, we can open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality called by many names is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now, this divine essence is present. It's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We can watch as thoughts appear, perhaps emotions arise, and we can watch as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond sensation, pure existence being. And as we rest in this essence of our being, we're aware of the peace that's always with us. We can rest in this peace and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. And we can take this peace with us into the rest of our day and let it overflow as as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Yogacharya Umaji, it's wonderful to have you back on the Yoga Hour and to continue our conversation about Dharma. And our subject today is how to live with higher purpose. One of the things I've I've always appreciated about your teaching is that you discuss how there's a yearning inside everyone to live a sacred life. Can, Can you say more about this? What is a sacred life and how is it that we are drawn towards living in this way? 
Well, first, I want to thank you for the beautiful meditation. It was uh, really, really very nice, a good way to begin, and it's just a beautiful experience. Um, so this this idea of living a sacred life is really just the invitation that we all have to thrive and to prosper and to fulfill our potential, which is divine. You know, everything in nature that we observe has this impetus uh, to grow and to become in fullness, you know, that which it is. So the seed of an, of an apple is, is naturally driven to become an apple tree, you know, to blossom and to bear its beautiful, uh, fruit. And as human beings, we have that same divine impulse within us to fulfill our potential. And it, and it turns out that for us, that potential is uh, to be able to blossom uh, the divine qualities within us um, that can bear fruit uh, in the world that is um, useful, you know, a, a life that, is, that has meaning and purpose. Mm. That's really lovely. When I um, think about a sacred life, I also reflect on how, you know, life itself really is sacred. If we come from the deepest place where we are all connected and um, connected with everything else that's in manifestation. And so um, sometimes it's just, um, I don't know, fun or useful to reflect on that as we go around about our daily activities to just really feel the sacredness of life. Um, and feel that uh, connection uh, from a deeper place. It really is. And, you know, when you study yoga philosophy, uh, of course, the, the first and perhaps most critical thing that we learn is that, um, you know, prior to spiritual awakening, you know, people are living primarily from an egoic consciousness, which is the sense of um, being a separate uh, individual uh, a, a discrete form of existence that is uh, separate from the source. And um, so things, and from that consciousness, things are objectified. You know, life is is seen in, in the bits and pieces, and it's seen, you know, through the eyes of, you know, what can I consume? What can it, what good will, <laughs> what good will it do me? You know, how can I use that? How can I acquire it? You know, all from that point of I, 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 I want, mm-hmm. I need. Um, and even other people are seen through that light. You know, what can that person do for me? Does that person mm-hmm. love me? <laughs> and so on and so forth. But, you know, we, in the teachings of yoga, of course, that, that is, is, is a vidya, that is a wrong knowledge of what we are. Mm-hmm. So yoga is all about, you know, purifying the mental field and becoming free of that, um, error in our thinking. And, um, and it teaches us ways, um, to be in the world, you know, free of that um grasping um egoic center but instead you know opening up this greater perspective where we experience this uh, sacred nature this interconnection of all of life and um so things are not objectified everything is alive uh, with spirit it's a beautiful uh, shift in consciousness. And we feel, you know, I mean, one of the great blessings that I discovered, it, it came like, um, like just like a, I don't know, I would describe it like a hologram of awareness of experience, which was that I belonged. And it sounds, you know, small to say, but the experience of it was having that ever-present sense of somehow not belonging anywhere, you know, completely, you know, um, the sense of isolation that, you know, one day just walking down the street, I had, I just was looking around at people, at places, at things, and I felt my inherent sense of belonging. I was, Mm -hmm. I was no longer 
tied to that that sense of isolation. So, you know, uh, it's a shift in viewpoint. I mean, life it's always sacred. Our life is always sacred, but you know, we we need this shift in viewpoint. So it's not looking at life like an object like it's a sacred thing. Um it's it's being uh, freed of that error in our thinking so that we are in it and of it and it's we share in its aliveness. Mm-hmm. Ah, so beautiful. Yeah, I I had a similar realization in thinking about this quality of the divine that uh, is omnipresence. So when I was really thinking about that and really reflecting on it more deeply and having the experience of that and really realizing in the same way you just said you, you felt like you belonged, you know, I really felt like there was no place that I could go, whatever I did or wherever I went, there was no place that I could go that God was not. And that was just a really, really wonderful uh, mm-hmm. experience, felt mm-hmm. felt experience. Mm-hmm. So we've been talking about the sacred nature of life, and one of the things that I love about your poetry is that you really, so many of your poems really talk about that. So the book of poetry that you most recently published earlier this year, The Moon Reminded Me, has a lot of poems like that. So would you like to share one with us now? Oh, sure. Um, and it's a short one, so we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll be able to share two short ones. So, um, this one's called Even the Hummingbird. And, um, it came from, I, I get hummingbirds in my garden. I get to watch them. And, you know, I think most people who've seen hummingbirds, you know, observe the way like a helicopter, you know, they can stop in flight and, you know, their wings are, are of course moving, you know, so rapidly, but they, but they give the appearance of standing still in midair. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I noticed that, you know, we get these, uh, hummingbirds here that have the red, um, throat mm-hmm. that are so beautiful. But ordinarily, you know, you don't see that beautiful red color. They have to turn a certain way. Right. And so, um, this poem came with the idea that, that the, this beauty of the hummingbird is revealed the moment that the hummingbird moves its throat and begins to sing. Then you see this beautiful red color. So mm. it's called Even the Hummingbird. Even the hummingbird stops at noon to pray, offering the ruby of praise, the price of one moment in the green sanctuary of belonging. So, of course, that that really relates to what I was just saying about entering life, you know, entering life as sacred with this sense of, of belonging. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, here I'm, I'm tying the sense that um, praise is a way to enter in, you know. Um, I just read a beautiful um, saying from Islam, from the Prophet Muhammad, in, in, in which he said, God, God's kindness is everywhere present except for those who deny that it is, deny that it exists. Mm. And uh, and of course that's exactly true. You know this this presence, this radiance, this divine support that you know it is flowing out of dharma, which which is that which upholds and supports, is always there. But we don't see it if we deny that it exists. So mm-hmm. um, then I have another one I'll share with you uh, that is uh, it's a um, a haiku. Mm. You have to. You have to see, be able to see this poem in color. <laughs> it's, called, it's called Winter. So you think, think of the bear garden, what it looks like in winter. Black squirrel, green walnut. Black squirrel, green walnut, Zen master in the garden. Everything is clear. Hmm. 
That's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I can see it in color in my mind. (laughs) This is great. Yeah, we're we're blessed with a walnut tree in the neighbor's yard, and we do get the squirrels that you know bring them along and store them somewhere in our garden. But um, seeing, especially the black squirrel and that 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 bright green walnut with the casing still on it. Yeah. um, This this. Zen master, you know, is is one who calls you to awaken, and so mm-hmm. just seeing that little messenger in his black coat in my garden was a call, <laughs> was a call to awaken. Oh, and as everything becomes mm-hmm. when we're when we are um, uh, aware of it, I guess. Absolutely. I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So today we're talking about living with higher purpose. And the idea of living with purpose is a familiar one. And many people would say that they live their lives with purpose. The focus of their activity would be directed toward a particular value or aimed at a desired result. So when we talk about living with higher purpose, what is that? What is higher purpose? And what does it mean to live in this way? I think it's connected to what I was saying earlier about shifting out of the egoic sense of it being about the me and mine. And so higher purpose means something beyond that, you know, something beyond the individual. And um, that is, uh, you know, how the dharmic life is seen, um, that, that we're here, you know, called to participate um, in, in planetary evolution, really, in planetary awakening, mm-hmm. and our own uh, blossoming um, is, um, occurs in harmony, in accordance uh, with that. So, you know, as we find how we can contribute to the whole, we also experience our own individual flowering Mm. That's just a great way of describing it. So living with higher purpose arises out of realizing who we really are, as we've been talking about, and and what we're here for, which is self-realization. So can you talk a little bit about self-realization? What is self-realization and how does it inform our efforts to live in the highest way? Well, self-realization... you know, as it's defined, is is knowing uh, what we are, and that self, of course, in that phrase is a capital S self. So it's knowing uh, our essence of being, uh, our our spiritual nature, N- knowing that by understanding what it is, but also having experienced it. So it's not just intellectual knowledge, but it is grounded in both the intellectual knowing of what it is, but also the direct experience of it. So um, this self-realization, knowing what we are, and then, of course, it's learning how to live our life in harmony with realizing that truth of our being. In other words, you know, once we wake up to this truth of our being, it's no longer acceptable to us or satisfying uh, to to live an egoic-centered uh, life, uh, to mm-hmm. live in a small way, uh, to live in a selfish way, to live in a way um, that is not um, morally uh, right. You know, so all these things, you know, begin to come into focus in our life as we awaken to the true self. And then the work, which we called, you know, um, our dharma, our responsibility, which dharma means responsibility and duty as well as it means support and foundation for life. Um, it has to do with this divine order. And so we, we, when we wake up, we, we naturally want to live in the right way because we see that our ultimate happiness, um, our highest fulfillment is going to come out of learning how to cooperate with the infinite, you know, how to be in our right place, uh, living in the right way, doing the right thing. And, um, 
you know, and another way to think of that is, you know, doing what is most useful, doing what most um, contributes to freedom or well-being. You know, sometimes if I use the word right, it may, it may sound too, uh, uh, you know, morally judgmental. And, and yoga mm-hmm. is not like that. You know, it's really about um, where where are you really going to find happiness? <laughs> where are you really going to find fulfillment? Mm-hmm. So, um and of course, it turns out that you're, we're really going to find fulfillment when we do the right thing. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it comes back to that. Yes. Well, I love the emphasis on not just awakening and and having the you know realization of who we really are and seeing that we're here to awaken, but also then the challenge of living from that perspective and you have uh, your little four phrase four sutra that i always come back to you know we are it oh sorry it is we are it we forget <laughs> and we remember mm-hmm. and um to me that's really what we're talking about you know with uh trying to live in that way i mean oh my gosh talk about forgetting but then catching yourself you know and remembering um So, um, it's just about time for the break. Why don't we go ahead and do that right now? You're listening to the Yoga Hour with a special conversation today with Yogacharya Alan Grace O'Brien, founder and regular host of the Yoga Hour, who has published several books and audio programs about meditation, mindfulness, and spiritual living. Her current online course is Dharma 365, A Year of Living Purposefully. And you can sign up for it, find out more about it at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. And that's O'Brien is uh, O-B-R-I-A-N, O'Brien.com. And also more information at csecenter.org. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo. When we come back from the break, we'll be exploring more practices for living in the highest way. We'll be right back. If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. Where can you hear some of the great spiritual speakers of our day? All in one place. At Unity Village, the evening of October 18th, when the Association of Global New Thought comes to campus. Prepare to be inspired. Hear powerful presentations from Michael Beckwith, Roger Teal, Donna Johnson, Wendy Craig Purcell, Temple Hayes, Ken Gordon, David Goldberg, Kevin Ross, and Unity CEO Jim Blake. If you can't be there, watch on live stream. Visit unityvillagechapel.org. Did you know that the Buddha gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that Jesus gave us the formula to create a beautiful, abundant life? Did you know that both these masters taught exactly the same thing? And guess what? They did not teach the law of attraction. They taught the great paradox of prosperity. You can have anything you want. Why, you can have things you don't even know you want, but not by wanting them. Instead, put your attention on the vibrant presence of the divine within. Do that and your life will change. It has to. That is the natural order. Want to crack the code on the great paradox? Get Janet Connors' The Lotus and the Lily. Available everywhere great books are sold.
God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and I'm joined today by The Yoga Hour's founding director and regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. And once again, her website is ellengraceobrien.com. And for CSE, csecenter.org. And I also wanted to mention that the book of poems that we've been talking about, uh, The Moon Reminded Me, is available both through the Ellen Grace O'Brien website as well as Amazon. And I understand that in addition to the hard copy, there is also now an electronic copy, an ebook that is available as well. So you might want to check that out. Today, we're talking about living in the highest way, and in this segment, we'll be discussing some practices that will help us to do this. So, Umaji, in your in your current online course, Dharma 365, you quote Sri Ramakrishna, a great sage of South India, who said, always keep your discrimination awake. God alone is real, that is to say, eternal. Everything else is unreal because it will pass away. As you discriminate in this manner, let your mind give up its attachment to the fleeting objects of this world. Attend to all your duties, but keep your mind fixed on God. Which I think is just a a really beautiful quote. Mm -hmm. And it really talks about this discrimination. So what skills discrimination is one but what skills are necessary to develop the ability to see beyond the changing material world to that which remains constant which we've been pointing to during this uh, program what you know to see to the center to see the the uh, underlying unity behind the diversity of the world Um, you know, first there's a quickening that, that happens, I think, for us at some point that calls us to the spiritual path. And it is that, um, opening of our discernment. <laughs> and, um, you know, where we, we sense that the world is not going to give us what we want or what we need, you know. And that's a oftentimes a time of great suffering and disappointment, you know, where we just put all of our hopes and dreams into something, you know, a job, a relationship, uh, something. And um, and then we see that um, somehow it, it disappoints. And, and then we begin um, to have the insight that we've been on this journey looking for fulfillment for a long time and we've had many such moments where we thought oh you know what i'm looking for it'll be this or it'll be that and so then we have this awareness that oh none of that has 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 lasted has satisfied so that's the opening of our discernment where we begin to distinguish between you know what the yogis call the real and the unreal you know and the unreal being that which has no fixed um you know form that that which is not e- eternal it changes all the time 
or versus that which is eternal, the essence, the spiritual truth of, of life. So, you know, we make that distinction. That's the first thing. And sometimes we don't know about the real, but we have the sense of disappointment in what is called the unreal, all these things that change. And we feel disappointed by life. It didn't give us what we thought was promised. And so we, mm-hmm. we open our mind, you know, open our consciousness at that time. And that's often time, you know, when people come to the spiritual path. And, you know, that was certainly true for me. And, uh, and then, you know, if we, if we get on a path, um, uh, like a, a yoga path, we'll find that there are specific tools then for having deeper insight. Once you have that initial insight and you begin to look for something else, you know, okay, if it's not this, then what is it? And of course, all the teachings, all the mystical teachings say, well, you know what it is? It's, it's yourself. <laughs> what you're looking for is, <laughs> is within you. But, you know, if you're like me, you know, you didn't, you don't know how to look within you, you know, what is it that we're actually looking for within us that makes no sense to us. But, you know, that's because we're trying to look for something physical or mental. And what we're looking for is spiritual. It's beyond Mm -hmm. that. So when you find a teacher who can teach you, you know, how to meditate and also give you a map, you know, of consciousness to help you understand more about, you know, what you're looking for is actually beyond the physical level, it's beyond the energetic level, it's beyond the mental level, and and so you, you begin to learn how to arrange conditions through meditation and practices like uh, pranayam um, so that you can directly experience um, that which does not change, you can directly experience your own self, and then you begin to have that that uh, uh, deep awareness that that helps you have a practice non attachment because you 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 directly know a higher truth about what life is. Hmm. When you were speaking, I was reflecting on times in my life where I. Uh, earlier in my life where I thought I needed a certain thing to be happy and times when that, when I got that thing and then of course over time it changes and you realize, well, that wasn't lasting happiness. And then times that I didn't get that thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, which obviously then, you know, is another route to the same realization, you know, of of that, uh, you know, this is not a path to lasting, to lasting happiness. Mm -hmm. So you just were you just touched on non-attachment, which I wanted to address as one of the uh, five restraints or yamas in yoga. Yoga is the the um, larger yoga that we talk about on the Yoga Hour, the um, yoga that is talked about in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra. And the yamas are ethical principles regarding our outer life, our life in the world. These ethical principles help us to live in the highest way since they're all founded in the realization that we really are all one. Um, or another way of saying it, they're really founded in self-realization, capital S, self-realization. So, but I often find in thinking and talking about non-attachment, there's confusion that people have about this idea of non-attachment. Sometimes people fear that it means that they shouldn't feel anything at all, which sounds like numbness. It's sometimes described as dispassionate non-attachment. Perhaps that's even worse because mm-hmm. it sounds like you're not supposed to be passionate about anything. Mm-hmm. So, so what does that really mean? What can you talk a little bit more about a non-attachment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have experienced that too. The question it's a common question about that. Like if I, you know, one of the teachings is to be non-attached to the results of our actions. And so it commonly people wonder, well, if I don't have uh, an attachment, in other words, if I'm not invested in the way that something comes out, <laughs> you know, where am I going to get right. the energy to stay committed to it? Right, And um, it's really a beautiful teaching as we study it. So what we understand is that the, where the energy comes from is that we put all of our energy to doing something in the moment and in the right way. And we understand that we actually cannot control the outcome of anything. You know, there's always 
an unknown factor in there. You know, we, we have several things that we can control and we do control when we're committed to doing something in the right way. But there's always, um, a, an element, you know, that is beyond our control. So, in a way, non-attachment to the outcome of results is simply acknowledging what is true. Um, and it's also, I, you know, people tend to think of it in the negative way, you know, like, right. well, what if I'm, you know, I'm not attached, then, you know, things may not come out as good as I want them to. Well, you know, things uh, are likely to come out better than you wanted them to, you know. <laughs> right. So, you know, why, why I, I think about it, you know, why limit, why limit yourself, you know, why not enter into your project, you know, your goal with the understanding that what you're doing along the lines of what we call karma yoga um, is you're doing your work as an offering uh, to the divine. Um, you know, you're offering it for the well-being of all and your your prayer um, is that it may prosper and serve. And um, so, you know, that's really connected to living in with higher purpose that you're doing what you're doing um as an offering and then you you free yourself from uh, a certain amount of anxiety about those results which doesn't mean that you don't care Mm -hmm. it means that you're not tied in a knot you know to things coming out a certain way it's more like a long view of your life you know you um you know i'm i'm a poet uh besides being a spiritual teacher so um you know i submit poems to be published and i get rejection letters like every other writer and um you know you can really um, be attached to, well, you know, I really, it seemed like the right place for it to be. And, you know, they don't, they don't like me and they think my work is awful. And, you know, I mean, you can go to that whole thing. Yes. Or you can just say, you know, there's another place for this. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a divine order here that, you know, I'm offering this to serve. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, I have to do my part of submitting it. Um, but if I get all attached to, you know, where it's going to land, mm-hmm. then, you know, I, I would be devastated by those rejection letters. Mm-hmm. No, that's such a great example, such a beautiful example of, you know, you're submitting the poems. Is the two things that you talked about, the idea that if we have, if we're so attached to a certain outcome, that it is actually limiting, and the outcome actually may be greater. The mm-hmm. eventual outcome may be greater than we can imagine at the moment. But then also the truth of, of just acknowledging that there definitely are things that are beyond our control that happen all the time. Mm-hmm. And so by getting wedded to a certain outcome, it can be a real source of suffering. And both of those, you know, realizing that the outcome can be greater and also acknowledging the truth of what is really allows us to become more peaceful and to live more yeah. in harmony with, yeah. with what actually is. And I think also at the core of non-attachment practice that, you know, I should mention is that where it comes from is, um, having a clear sense of our own wholeness, our own fullness, so that we are not defined by anything external. So that means, you know, as a poet, I I am not defined by either the rejection letter that comes or the award that comes. Mm. Um, and so non-attachment is, is really um, a process of living in freedom, and a joy, um, because you are uh, self-aware, um, self, self-contained, uh, self-composed, um, self-reliant. Um, you're you're not um, subject to being defined by anything external. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful to really come from our own inner sense of wholeness that we been talking about. So what what advice would you give to someone who wants to begin to practice non-attachment? What's a way to begin? Well, the way that I began when I first started practicing was I um 
there's a connection between where we suffer um, and where we're attached to an outcome. And so I began sort of, <laughs> maybe the mystics would call this what part of the via negativa. In, in other words, it was sort of a, um, you know, and, and uh, instead of going with non-attachment, I went with, well, where is my attachment? How can I tell where I have attachment, you know, from where I'm actually feeling pain around things? Um, and that really helped me because it helped me to see that I was setting that up myself mm. and that I could uh, also uproot it and, un, you know, uh, un- untie the knot myself. So, you know, I began with the practice of noticing where I was practicing attachment <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 and then, you know, realizing that non-attachment was an option. That's great. And a great example of the main Kriya Yoga practice of of Svadhyaya, of self-study, of, you know, noticing where your attachment was. Mm -hmm. And then the and then the tapas, the practice Mm -hmm. of of uh, you know, then realizing that there was another way. That's beautiful. So um focusing we've been talking about living in the highest way. And that really is coming from this sense of seeing beyond the changing nature of things toward the reality, toward toward the truth at the center. So focusing on that which is unchanging and not being attached to the changing senses in mind really sounds like a great idea. But we often slip into attachment to those changing ideas. So in addition to what we've just mentioned, can you mention other practices that can help us keep our focus on God, on the unchanging nature of reality that lies behind that changing surface? Well, the go-to practice is always to um, have a foundation of meditation practice um, because that's where we get the taste of of God or presence or peace, you know, whatever you want to call it, Mm, you know, by touching in on our own essential nature, you know, meeting God every day in the, you know, in the temple of peace uh, within us in our meditation. Um, So that helps us have a little more distance, you know, uh, with things that are going on in life. You know, uh, it gives us... um, we abide, you know, in that place, and then things don't uh, come in so quickly, you know, to upset mm-hmm. us. You know, we just have more uh, peace that we take with us. And, you know, I see it in my life, and I see it in the lives of students that I work with who, you know, just have amazingly difficult situations. And, you know, it's interesting uh, that, you know, sometimes... Um, you know, we may not think our practice is that good, you know, we like we get annoyed in traffic or, you know, with tech support, you know, I had, I had absolute practice with tech support on the phone last week. I mean, I was seriously using it as my spiritual practice because I was noting, <laughs> noticing how easily overheated I was, you know, yes. but, uh, and so, I find that, you know, students may not think they're making that much progress, but it's actually where, you know, when they encounter something that is actually very serious or difficult, you know, uh, could be a challenge with a, a child or, or really a grave situation with work or with health, then I find that those who have been practicing and studying actually discover um, what a deep foundation they have and mm-hmm. how it sustains them. I mean, they inspire me and astound me uh, in such beautiful ways. Mm. Now, that's so true. I, I loved how you described having a meditation practice as it, it really opens a space, doesn't it? It allows mm-hmm. us to have a little bit more distance. And that space is, uh, that feeling of spaciousness is is a gift from meditation practice of, um, you know, being in a boat where the waves are just not rocking you so hard. And you yeah. see it in so many different ways in your life. Yeah, and I think I just want to speak up for, you know, don't... Um 
belittle your practice. You know, don't think that it's not making that much difference. You know, if you if you find yourself, um, you know, not being even minded in these the small things that come up every day, I think that's fairly common. Um, you know, and then we have an idea that we're going to be perfect. You know, and, and the idea of perfection is that, you know, I'm not going to get angry, you know, when somebody cuts me off in traffic. Um, and, and you just might, but that doesn't mean that you don't have the spiritual foundation. So that's what I was trying to say, you know, there, that you may, you know, just think, oh, you know, I'm not making that much progress because I got, you know, angry with tech support. But, when you come to a place that is difficult, if you have a steady practice, if you have a deep practice, you're going to discover you also have a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it's a great point. So let's turn to something a little different. Uh, Sanskrit word sankalpa refers to setting an intention. And I know in Dharma 365, you work with this a bit, quite a bit. So can you talk about Sankalpa? What is Sankalpa and how does setting an intention relate to living in the highest way? Well, Sankalpa just really means that. It means uh, setting uh, an intention. Um, I, I think in terms of how we would connect it to dharmic living, it's an awareness that our life um, proceeds from the inside out. Mm. Um, in that, um, you know, I, I, I love a quote that's attributed to Rumi that says, you know, work at least as hard on the inside as you do on the outside. Um, so I probably haven't said it exactly right, but that's the gist of it. Hmm. So in other words, you know, we tend to approach life working really hard on the outside and giving a little bit of time um, to our inner work. Right. But the reverse of that is actually true. And so, you know, this uh, intentional engagement in what is called sankalpa, which is, is learning to work with intention it's like you create a um, an energetic vortex. I guess I can put it that way: an energetic vortex um, from the inside to the outside of your life that opens up a, an energetic um, avenue um, for you to notice opportunities that have to do with um, what it is that you're looking uh, to materialize. And it also then draws to you um, uh, opportunities and support um, that are in harmony with the intention that, that you have set. Mm. So it's, it's learning how to understand that there's one mind in in this world. You know, there's one life, there's one reality, and there's also one mind. And that mind uh, is sense, that cosmic mind, we would call it, is sensitive to the impressions and the beliefs um, that are held in our individual mind. So uh, when you set a sankalpa, it, you... you you practice it by seeing um, and experiencing that which you are uh, looking to uh, unfold in your life. You you start with it in the completed state. In other words, you accept it as uh, realized. Um, and you work with what that's like, you know, in your consciousness. So you you establish it first in your mind and consciousness, and that's what creates that energetic vortex that uh, can draw to you what you need. Mm, that's such a beautiful description, and I love the way that you said it, living from the inside out. And unbelievably, we've actually come almost to the end of our time, but I did want to have another poem. Uh-huh. Um, I just love your poems and, and really find them inspiring. So perhaps Thank a short you. one. Thank you. Yes. Um, here's, here's one. Um, 
It's called Maya. Maya is Sanskrit for illusion. Um, and we were talking about, you know, being able to see through the changing, the unreality, changing conditions. Um, Maya is Sanskrit for illusion, the principle of appearance, the power and mystery of creation, that which conceals uh, the real or our divine nature. Um, so this poem is called Maya. Buddha points to the earth. Zen master points to the moon. Arjuna points to the target. Mary points to her child. Jesus points to the heart. Rumi points to Shams. We all look until we see. Mm, That's just really beautiful. And with that, we've come to the end of our time together. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and joined today by Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, discussing the four, discussing living in the highest way. This is the second of our continuing series on Dharma. If you missed last month's conversation on the four goals for spiritually conscious living, purpose, abundance, pleasure, and freedom, you can access it in our archive at unity.fm slash the yoga hour. You can find out more about Yogacharya's programs, including Dharma 365 and also her recently published book of poetry, The Moon Reminded Me, at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and also more about CSE's programs at csecenter.org. It's been great to have this conversation with you today, Umajay. I look forward to our next conversation on November 9th. Thank you so much for facilitating this conversation, and my thanks to the Yoga Hour team and to you, of course, and to uh, Unity Online Radio for hosting the Yoga Hour, and to all the listeners, you know, may your lives um, continue to be filled with divine blessings. Thank you. For our listeners, remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. When we think of something priceless, we may envision a rare jewel or a masterpiece of art. In our minds, their value may be partially based on the fact that they're not easily found or duplicated. 
We tend to place greater worth in such things and may overlook the everyday treasures each one of us already possesses. Regardless of our individual tastes and perceptions, there is one thing we all value, a treasure we constantly seek, peace of mind. Ironically, peace isn't rare. It's an unlimited and ever-present gift that lives within each of us, waiting to be found. I can uncover my buried treasure today. Peace is priceless. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.